I love daylight savings time, moving our clocks forward one hour. Uh, Last night I was thinking ahead, and I decided to move the clock in our front room one hour ahead and set my alarm on my phone this morning for 4 a.m. I get up at 4 a.m. on Sunday mornings, alarm went off, and looked at my phone, and uh, the time hadn't adjusted on that, but it was 4 a.m., and my clock said uh, 3 a.m., and I walked out into the front room, and so as I'm sitting in the front room getting prepped for this morning, I looked at the clock and looked at my clock and this clock. Someone else had the same idea to move the clock an hour forward, too, in the front room. Like, I didn't know where I was at. I didn't know what planet I was on. I didn't know what time it was. I just, I even thought about it. I got to call someone and see what time it is. I mean, where do you even check anymore? Like, like at that point, it was just like, I was so prepared that someone else was so prepared. That's the Brown household being prepared for daylight saving. But I made it in time. I'm always curious when I see this service, how many of you thought you were coming for the first service and you end up showing up for the second and you were an hour early and drank five buckets of coffee out there. So that was probably you in worship. I'm excited about this series of messages and I'm excited this morning because we have an opportunity to get off the bus and I will say it this way and let God show off. He wants to show off in our lives. He wants to reveal his glory and the best way he does that is through his people. We give him a chance. It's, it's as if God is standing in the room of our lives and we're trying to figure out this puzzle. Maybe, maybe we're, we're trying to figure out how the house should be built. And so we have these people who have never built a house standing in this room who don't understand blueprints or drawings or roof uh, pitches or rafters or, or, or even just floor joists and trying to figure it all out. It, it's gathering this group of people saying, hey, let's build this house. We should do it this way. And, and, and so all these people coming together trying to figure this out and don't know what they're doing. And all the while, the architect of the home is standing there and just saying, hey, ask me. I know how to build it. I've designed it. And it's kind of like that with us sometimes in our lives. Like we're trying to figure it all out. We got this house to build, this plan to put into place, these children to raise, uh, this job to do, um, this health, new health thing in life. And we got we to figure this new business venture out and got to figure out this test in school and how to shoot this shot and how, how to plant this flower. And, and so we have all these questions and some of us, we don't know. We go to YouTube and try to find it there and we want an 84 Jeep and all they got is 96 Jeeps. And like, and, and, and all the while God's saying, all you got to do is ask me. I've designed everything. I held it all together. In fact, in case you didn't know, just read the book Colossians that says, I hold it all together with my hands. And God's saying, just ask me. Like, I got the answers. I can show you how, and I can show off in your life. But why is it so difficult for us to promise, believe in the promises of God? Why are we prone to take steps where we want to manufacture the end, the result, where we don't even ask him how? And all the while he's saying, he's in the back of the room like, hey, remember me? I spoke the world into being. I created man. And I took a rib out of man and I created woman. Remember me? I allowed the sun to stand still for three hours so that my people could win a battle. Hey, let me do what I'm good at and show off in your life and... And my hope is this, that we really do that in this coming year. 
Maybe that's why you're still spinning your tracks. Maybe, maybe that's why you're in this, this habit of repeating this thing over and over. And because you're trying to do it all yourselves and you're trying to work out something on your own. And God's saying, I got a plan that's so much better than that. The architect is in the room. Why don't we just ask him to help us and lean on him? And he'll surprise us with the ways that he's able to. And as we've been thinking about getting into the game and, and this new expansion of reaching 150,000 people, it takes me back the early days of grace when we were on Clinton Street. We were there about a year, two years, and, and we decided that we wanted to take the whole front of this auditorium. And if you've ever been in the old building where we began, it was typical old building with, with oak pews, with plates on the side said donated by someone else and had these big chairs up front. You ever see those things? Set up front with like the velvet seat covers. Like people sit up there like, I never sat in them. Like, Get those things off there. Man, this, this, we we want to honor Jesus. And it's like, all of a sudden, look at me, I'm pastor. So I'll stop right there. But we don't have those things. Just we're not sainting people. They're, we we lift up our God. Anyhow, so we had this big oak altar. And remember, I mean, standing like this and it was whoa, that thing's gigantic. And they, they had a, a lavalier mic, they called it, where I was on a cord and I could only go so far. Do you know how many times I'd pulled that thing out of there? <laughs> and our tech, literally, our tech guy was on the back of the wall. It was an, uh, an insert in the wall. It was this big. It had a cassette player and it had an equalizer with three things on it. And that's how you ran tech. back. But anyhow, praise God for advancement. And we wanted to, to take our front stage, blow out the offices, and put a stage the whole way across the front so that we could put a worship team on it. And so we were planning for that and dreaming about it. And it was a huge step for our church at that time. Huge step. Thousands and thousands of dollars. And even required us looking at a $30,000 loan. That was a lot of money in the early days. And, but we trusted in God. We believed that God wanted us to do that. And so... We, we put it out there before our people and we took the step and believed that somehow God was going to provide. That was in the days, there, there were times that Ann and I weren't even sure we were getting a paycheck at the end of the week. And, and, but we believed in order to, to worship God and lift him up, we wanted to, to give him a place and give our musicians a place. And this is before we had a drummer and before we had a, a keyboard or, 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 or a guitar player. And, and we believed that God wanted us to do that. So we put the plan in motion and and, and, and we weren't sure how God was going to provide, but we wanted to give him a chance to show off. In the midst of that, we had an outdoor worship service. And at one of these outdoor worship services, a gentleman from the community had heard about grace. Someone invited him, came to our church, and, and I shook his hand that Sunday morning, found out who he was, and got to know a little more about him and found out that he was invited. And, and I figured if he'd come to see us, I should go to see him. And so I found out that he owned a bar in a restaurant. And so I figure I'm going to go visit him and find out where he's at and heard that he was seeking God. And, and so I wanted to bridge that relationship and, and go that next route. And some of you know my route. I don't say it to say I'm different or whatever, but I don't drink and my wife don't drink. Alcohol's not in her house. It's just a choice that we've made. It's a wisdom issue and, and I don't plan on drinking. So I walked into this bar. So if you would have seen me walk in a bar, you'd be like, whoa, what's going on? And so walked in, went up to the counter, sat down, right up to the counter, and this man was working right behind the counter, and, and I worked my way up and said, hey, how you doing, how you doing? And it's not normal for me to sit at bars, and, 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 and I looked at this guy, and he looked at, he saw me, and, and he was blown away by that, not because I'm 
a man sitting at the bar, but we began to talk, and I found out who he was and asked him a few questions about why he came to Grace, and, and that began this relationship. A few weeks later, he came back, and we developed a relationship. In the midst of that, because I entered his turf, and he was on our turf, and he came to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. But something God really did that was really amazing in that. Now, this is in the process of us believing that God wanted us to expand grace. We didn't, weren't certain how all the cash would come in. In the meaning of that, in the, in the midst of that, God began to work in his heart in a fresh way. And this, this brother, who's still a dear friend of mine, wanted to chase after Jesus. And, and for him, it meant at the time that he felt like God was calling him away from owning this place. So he put this place up for sale, this bar and grill, and, and sold it. One day I'm in my office that's being ready to be torn down, and I get a knock on the door, and I look in the door, and there's this guy who just sold this bar and this grill and this restaurant. Walked in, I said, hey, what's up? And I said, come on in. And he said, hey, Jim, I just got to share this with you. I just got to share this with you. He said, uh, I, you know, I sold, sold my business, and I feel like God's pulling me away from that. And, um, and he said, I, I just got the money from the bank, and like, like here it is. Like, and he said, the first thing I want to do is to give 10% of the sale to Grace Community and to this building plan. <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking, and he hands these dollars, like tons of money. And he says, here, put it towards that. What was really special about that is that wasn't even on the radar screen how God was going to provide. But God was interested in saving souls. In the midst of saving souls, someone came after the plan had begun. And this same dude was the first to come in with a sledgehammer, and we had to tear down the front. He spent hours and days just literally tearing down the old stage, tearing down the, the, the old offices and getting it ready. And God was showing off because we believed in faith that we should step out and build a place for worshipers to come and exalt the name of Jesus. That amongst thousands of other things that God has done in our lives and done at Grace Community allows me today to get to this point in this passage to say, there was this man who God came to. This man that God came to and says, I want to do this in your life, but you got to trust me. And there are going to be moments along the way that you won't want to trust me. But if you trust me and step out in faith and you allow me to show off in your life, I am going to do something that could never be done except through me. Grab your Bibles and I'm going to show you this journey and turn to Genesis chapter 12. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers would be glad to put one in your hand. But turn to Genesis chapter 12. And let's see this story about this man and his wife who step out in faith and are going to believe even when most wouldn't believe and are going to let God work in an amazing way. Stand, we'll read it out loud together. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. First book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Let's read it out loud together. Ready, read. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. You may have a seat, but look as you're taking a seat, look at all these things that God promises to do. I will make you in a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. God set the groundwork for Abraham. His name was Abram here. That God would basically set up through his children stars that can't be counted And that nations and peoples would come from this man and his wife. All he had to do was trust God in that. Well, that seemed pretty simple, doesn't that seem simple? Okay, God, yeah, go ahead. I got a Josh, and I got a Hannah, and I got an Isaiah. Like, that would be great. And go go do it through them. May, may May their children be blessed, and may their children be blessed, and may they always chase. You mean you're gonna have our children chase after Jesus? Like, I'm all in, God. Like, here I am. Send us, you use us, take our children to do this. But there was this huge problem to this faith promise of God. Look at Genesis chapter 11 right before this. What's the problem? Look at Genesis chapter 11 and verse 29 and 30. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iska. Now, Sarah was what? What's the word? Childless because she was not able to what? Conceive. Conceive. We got a little problem, don't we? God came to Abraham after Genesis chapter 11. And by the way, in case you've forgotten this, sometimes we read this. Yeah, I read that Sunday school. I know how it ends. Praise God. Hallelujah. Genesis wasn't written yet. Like, Abraham couldn't fast forward ahead to Genesis 22 and says, Woo, son. No. He was writing this as he was living. And he was a real human being like you and I are. So he heard this from God, yet in the back of his mind, he says, But God, I'm married to this woman who can't conceive. And by the way, we've tried many times. And and, and we know she can't conceive. And you're telling me, that the nations are going to be blessed. So it must mean she's going to have a baby. Praise the Lord. We've been praying about that over. We've had sleepless nights. We went to the doctor, the infertility doctor. We've been crying out in prayer. We've been fasting. We've been doing everything we know, Lord. So praise the Lord. You mean we're going to have children? And they probably rejoiced. He probably probably ran home and, and, and told Sarah, he said, you're going to have a child. God told me. And it's going to be... The nations are going to be blessed through our kids. Then God finally answers their prayer, or at least they thought so, that you're going to have children. This is wonderful news for a man and woman with no heir. And a woman who ached to be a mother. He was now certain the suffering would finally stop. Because God made a promise. And isn't God good on his promise? Like when God says he's going to do something, isn't God good on his promises? But, Lord, she can't have babies. 
but I trust you. And this was wonderful news. And in his mind, it meant a quick pregnancy and an end to empty pregnancy tests. Yet what was about to happen next in Abram and Sarah's life might be one of the darkest times in the books and pages of our Bible. What they thought would finally be the answer to all the prayers would not only become a longer waiting period of suffering and questioning and even wandering away. And wondering, did we really hear from God? You see, it's in the waiting that we must cling to the promises of God. A blessing, a promise from God himself would certainly mean the pregnancy test would reveal positive tomorrow morning, wouldn't it? Why would God wait? I picture them every morning doing what they're supposed to do to have babies that night. And in the morning, well, Lord, we did our part. Come on. Then as each time of the month passed for Sarah and no relief, they begin to wonder, is God good on his promises? Do you ever wonder that? God, your word says this, but I'm feeling this. And not only feeling this, I'm seeing this. This isn't how I thought it would end up. But you told me, God, and your word says this. Have you ever been there? Like, it's in the waiting that our faith wants to crumble. You see, here's what I know about faith. Faith can move mountains. We love, faith can move mountains. Got the faith of a mustard seed. Let's move mountains. But however, doubt can create them too. So you have a question asked, will I doubt or will I believe? Faith can move mountains and doubt can create mountains. And so Abraham and Sarah have, have a dilemma on their hands. While they heard from God, it didn't happen as quickly as they thought. Like how in the world can, can nations be blessed if we don't have some kids quickly? And as I read this again this week, I never connected the number of years of waiting that took place from the promise to the actual son Isaac being born. In fact, look at Genesis chapter 13 and verses 15 and 16. Genesis 13. We can look at verse 14 even. It says, The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from her, Look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west, and all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. Okay, you said that before, but he's trying to encourage him again. So that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. In other words, it's uncountable. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre and Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. And at this point, at this point right here, Sarah had been barren for 40 years years of their marriage. And then it says this. I can understand why, because of that, that Abraham did this. Abraham was going to Egypt and he, and, 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 and he met King or met Pharaoh that was there. And so he wanted to please Pharaoh. And so we know from this account, when he met Pharaoh, he tells Pharaoh that his wife, Sarah, this is in the midst of the promise being unpacked. He sees Pharaoh and he tells his wife, tells Pharaoh that his wife is his sister. Why? So that his wife could get into the home of Pharaoh. I've often wondered, why in the world would someone do that? 
And not only get into the house of Pharaoh, because his wife, Texas, was a beautiful woman. Not only did she get into the house, but look what it says in Genesis chapter 12 and verses 18 and 19. We'll look at verse 17 first. It says this, but the Lord inflicted serious disease on favor in his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is, she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then here's your wife back. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram and his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Why in the world did he tell him? He said, here's why, here's why. Because he was trying to manufacture the end to God's promise. Here, she's a beautiful woman. You sleep with her, she'll get pregnant. She'll have a child. That's, I'll make it happen, God. You promised me, God. You promised me. You promised us a child. I see, I have to do my part to make it happen. And I will manufacture, I will predestine the end, which means to fix the ending that, that, that you said you would do. But every once in a while, you need me to fix the end. No. What's Pharaoh do? He says, get this woman out of here because there's a disease in the camp. And he asked, he asked, he asked him, why did you say this? And he sent him on the way. He was losing faith in the promise. Have you ever been there? How come they got their kids and we don't? How come they are being rewarded? You see, that's when our faith is tested. Many more years would pass till the promise would be fulfilled. And that's why Isaiah 40, 31 says, those that wait upon the Lord, their strength will be renewed. Yet the opposite happens for many. Most grow weary and impatient Yet the only way we regain strength is to press on in the waiting. You see, here's this moment of time, and it's going to be that for you. It's going to be that for me. Here, here, it's called faith. God promised this. This is reality. This is what the promise is. I have a decision to make. Faith is believing in something when common sense tells you not to. Common sense would say, God, she's getting old. And I'm getting old. And we keep trying. But you told me that that she's going to give birth. And faith says, I believe, even though common sense says not to. It takes great faith to believe that God will come true. Come through. And it's true in his word. Let me just say it this way. When God gives you a no, it's not a rejection, but a redirection. You might be saying, God, why do you keep saying no today? You promised me that. Listen, when God says no, it's not a rejection. Often it's a redirection. He has a plan. We just need to believe and hold on to that plan. Remember, it's not faith if we can somehow make it happen on our own. Hear me out, please. Like how many times have you stepped out and said, well, like I'll do this to make it happen. God, you need a little bit. And he's saying, no. You just need to trust me. You need to believe even when it can't happen with you making it come to reality. So after this, they continue on and God continues to try to encourage his faith. And then it says this in Genesis chapter 15. He comes back to him. Genesis chapter 15 says this in verse one. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, 
What can you give me since I remain childless? You promised. I'm still childless. And the only one who will inherit my state is Eleazar of Damascus. That's got to be the answer. Thank you, Lord. I'll just take care of it. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and what? What's the word? Blood will be your what? What's the word? Heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. He tries to confirm to him. He says, listen, I told you I'm coming through. You hold on. Yep, what does Abraham say? Oh, it's got to be Eleazar. Like, I'm sure he can have kids. Like, hey, God, I'll help you work this out, God. I got this one down. Like, she can't have child. We can't have child. Eleazar. Like, he could be our son. Hey, you want to be our son? Through him, God, through him, the nations will be blessed. Listen, that's not faith. If you can figure out a way in your mind to get to the end, then listen to me. You're not asking God to get you to the end. You're just manufacturing your own work, and that's not faith. So what happens? Look at Genesis chapter 16. He tries another plan. Now it says this in Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children still. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, hey, Abram, come here. The Lord has kept me from having children. So I'm going to manufacture the end. I'm going to predestine this. I'm going to make this happen. You listen to me, boy. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she what? What's the, what's the passage say? Conceived. Yeah, praise God! We did it! Woo-hoo-hoo! I knew you were good, God! Woo! Through you, the nations will be blessed. And God is saying, no. Read on, what's it say? When she, verse 4, when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. mistress. <laughs> Imagine that. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong. I am suffering. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? She's the one that suggested it. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Even after God said he would come through. But Lord, I long to get married. But Lord, I'm tired of being alone. I like him. He's got a job. He's got money in the bank. He's got a house. God, he even likes cats. And he's really nice. I know he doesn't go to church and I know he doesn't have a Bible, but he's a good man. Good, good, good man. He'll take care of me. What's your name? My name? And he begins to like her. She begins to like him. 
They get married. Thank you, God. Your plan is beautiful. But you know what happens to that plan? At some point, you will reach a major crossroad and you will have to answer for that decision that you manufactured on your own. This is what's happening here. Sleep with this mistress. Have child. They can have children. More children. God, we got it figured out. Now, mama is mad at mama. And dad is stuck in between of this. And the blessing and the promise doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. So look at Genesis chapter 16. Now look at verses 15 and 16. What happens? He sleeps with her. Look what happens in verse 15. So Hagar bore Abram a son. Yay, son. And Abram gave him the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar born him Ishmael. Where are you, I ask you today? Where are you running ahead of God's plan for your life? Where are you trying to manufacture something that God has promised, yet you can't wait? You see, prayer is bringing your worries and wishes to God. Faith is leaving them there with him. Prayer is bringing your wishes and worries to God. Faith is leaving them there. Lord, I don't know how it's going to work out, but God, I know with you it is possible. God can't show off and reveal his glory and miraculous power if we don't let him. It appears that God has been empty on his promise for 25 years. Stopping us under the pain they must felt as they've been waiting long nights. Then God gives him another gentle reminder. He is so patient with us. Look at chapter 17. Look at verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my what? What's the word? Covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said, to him. As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. Once again, he says, hold on. Listen, you've tried to screw it up, but listen, I'm coming back after you. This is called grace. I'm good on my word. You need to wait. From you will become nations and kings will come out of your genealogy and the nations will be blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. I am good on my word. I am good on my word. I am good on my word. You must believe me. I love how Paul describes this in the New Testament. Keep your finger here. He tries to describe this encounter that Abraham had in his faith journey. In in, in Romans chapter four, look at Romans chapter four. Just turn there. Please turn there in your Bibles. Romans chapter four and verse 19. Paul's trying to describe this encounter, this faith encounter too. And he brings it to New Testament terms. And I love how he says it. In Romans chapter four, and we'll begin at verse 18 to 23. Romans chapter four, Paul's talking about this, this offspring, this miraculous intervention of God. And then he says in verse 18, Romans chapter 4, he says, Against all what? What's the word? Hope. Abraham in what? He's against all hope, but in hope, he what? What's the word? Believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. 
so shall your offspring be. And this says in verse 19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as what? I love that phrase. Like, in all seriousness, dudes, you're 100 years old, you're not having babies. And he faced the fact, the only way this is going to happen is if, God, you intervene. It says that his body, look, his, he, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully what? What's the word? Persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it's credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, Grace Community Church, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So against all hope, Abraham's back on the saddle again. I believe, God. I believe, I believe, I believe. Even though I've tried this, and even though I thought it was Eliezer, the servant, and, and even though I slept with another woman, and she became my wife, she shouldn't have been my wife, and I had a baby, and I thought, Ishmael, Ishmael, that'll be the one. And, and now, finally, God's patient, God's patient. He continues to, to allow grace to step in. He's a forgiving God. He steps back in, and Abraham starts believing again. Now he's ready. Okay, Lord, you do what we believe somehow, even though I'm 100 years old, and my body is good as dead. There's no way we're going to have babies. You see, when our hope tank wants to run empty, God's ocean remains full of hope. God will never run empty on his hope. Why? Because faith totally trusts in the work of the Lord alone. Okay, do they ever have a baby? Well, let's just look. Go to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. Look at verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. Genesis chapter 21, verse 1. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had what? What's the word? Promise. Sarah became what? What's the word? Pregnant. And bore a what? Son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised. His timing is perfect. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son. Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Finally. Oh, Lord, thank you. I don't know how you did it, but thank you, God. Finally, stars, nations, son. He's going to have kids, and they're going to have kids, and they're going to have kids. And finally, the promise And his name meant laughter. It was probably a big sigh of relief. His name meant the one who laughs, Isaac. They had a son, Isaac. And and there were probably all kinds of moments when when they laughed. And there were probably all kinds of moments when people saw them as a family walking out on the dusty roads and and looking. Can Can you imagine grandparents' day at school with Isaac? Can you imagine when, when, when his mom and dad came walking in and they're like, is that your grandma and grandpa? No, that's mom and dad. Can you imagine as they walked down the streets, they probably had canes and walkers and Isaac's holding them up. Hey, here's mom, here's dad. Can you imagine those moments when they would see him leaving, walking to school and Abraham looks at Sarah and says, 
<laughs> we still got it, don't we? <laughs> They're very human. Isaac means the one who laughs. Now picture the joy each morning at the breakfast table as they looked at their son. He was the heir of nations. Can you imagine as he ran on the soccer field on the back of his shirt was Abraham. And they leaned on each other with arthritis and said, that's my boy. And from him, the nations will be blessed. (laughs) So fast forward 13 years later. They've enjoyed this joy, this, this miracle baby. I mean, in all seriousness, think about this. How many birth announcements come from Greencroft these days? And day after day, they just kind of held hands and they wondered how they were going to keep up with him in high school. But they fully trusted in their God. And then, fast forward 13 years later, he's a strapping, strong young man. And they're getting older. Chapter 22 says this in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham... Abraham replied, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. But God, can you imagine? Like, wait, wait a minute. I don't understand God. And he goes back and he tells Sarah, say, hey, I talked to God today. So what did he say? He's getting married young, isn't he? He's got lots of kids, twins and triplets and quadruplets. He's going to speed that process. No. Um, just the opposite. He, he wants me to take him to a mountain and kill him, sacrifice him. Can you imagine Sarah hearing that from, from Abraham? Like, what, 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 what'd you say? Yeah, God asked me to sacrifice our son. and <laughs> By faith, we got to do it. <laughs> because God's been good on his word. And he told us we're going to have a child, and we had a child we weren't supposed to. I mean, <laughs> we were both good as dead. Don't you remember that? <laughs> and if God says he wants us to go there in faith, and he still says he's going to bless the nations, then we got to do this. Can you imagine the conversation, the initial conversation? Can you imagine the tears as Sarah watches dad, son, servant, horse, donkey, mule, riding away? Can you imagine the heart of a mama who had given birth when she shouldn't have been able to give birth? And now God's saying, I'm going to take this son. You see, it was this point in the faith journey that Abraham had already witnessed God do the unthinkable, that he realized if God said he was going to make it happen, then somehow he needed to believe that again. Look at verse 3. 
after he heard from the Lord, verse 3, early the next morning. Why, 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 why does the author say early? In other words, he didn't hesitate. Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Can you imagine the gulp? He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I go over there. We will worship and then we will come what? What's it say? Back to you. What incredible faith. Listen to me. Remember, Abraham didn't read Genesis chapter 23, 24, and 25 yet. But as he looked at his servant, he somehow believed that even if it meant sacrificing his son, that he knew that somehow that God would, would miraculously work so that not only would he come back, but both he and his son both would come back. Now listen to me. He believed that somehow God could raise dead sons back to life, and he had never seen a resurrection up to that point. How? It's called faith. In his mind, he wasn't sure how it was going to work out, but he knew God was good on his word. Read on. What's it say? Verse 6. Abraham took the word for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the knife, or the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire? And the wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Okay, in all seriousness, like, okay, let's be very human. You're 13 years old, guys. Go back. Some of you got to go way back, but 13 years old. Your daddy's 113 years old. And he comes to you and says, altar, fire. Come here, bud. I'm going to tie you up. You know, in all seriousness, any 13-year-old can outrun a 113-year-old. How in the Like, how in the world did this 13-year-old, and why in the world did this 13-year-old stand there and let his dad tie his arms, tie his legs, pick him up, and place him willingly on the altar? How did that happen? I'll tell you how. Because he saw the faith of his father a hundred times before this moment. And he believed that if his dad heard from God, then he should listen to the faith of his father and the God he believed in. Let me just pull away, just practically. Fathers, how are you living out your faith in front of your kids? What do they see? What's your two-year-old see? What's your three-year-old see? What's your 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 11 Do they see faithfulness? 
Do they see a noble father? Do they see one who loves his wife, loves his kids, who is generous, who is taking faith steps so that by the time they're 13 years old, when they're called to step out in faith, it's a no-brainer. Daddy did it and God came through that I will do the same. It seems like it's over, doesn't it? Can you imagine Abraham? Like, God, this was hard. And there had to be a part of him thinking, like, God, even if you kill him, like, pff, I'm 113. No more kids in this household. There's no way. What's it say next? What's it say? Look what happens next. Verse 10, then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Can you imagine the son looking up and the father looking down? But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, exclamation point, Abraham, exclamation point, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you what God. What's the word? Fear God. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Genesis chapter 22, verses 12 and 13 says this. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. And verse 13 says, Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket, he saw a ram. Just happened to be caught by its horns. <laughs> he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. I, I have to picture him. Come on, he's human. He's a dude. <laughs> I bet he tackled that puppy. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> he's human. At just the perfect time, God was good on his promise. He almost shipwrecked the plan and the blessing that you and I benefit from today. A couple things stick out as I read this narrative. And here they are. God never gives up on us. Aren't you grateful? He still wants to show off in your life. You know what else I recognize? We have moments of real humanness. And there will be these moments where the flesh will surface and we'll try to circumvent what God had promised and we'll try to manufacture and figure it out because we feel better that if we have a plan on our own, we can sleep better. Yet God continues to extend his grace. What else do I know? It's hard to trust God 24-7. You will want to doubt. What else do I know? When we let him show off, his glory gets brighter. Can you imagine the stories that ran back to the marketplace, to the schoolyard? What else do I know? God has not exhausted all of his power. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. What else do I know from this account? Abraham believed he could have said no way from the beginning. 
Seriously, when God came to him the initial time, he could have said, God, there is no way. Because my wife and I haven't been able to conceive. We're not up for that plan. Like, go get someone else. And even though he knew that his wife was unable to conceive, he says, God, I'm in. We must be willing to say yes before God can ever show off in our lives. God is never boxed in by human limitations. So about five or six weeks ago, I asked you to get off this bus and get in the game. And we've been unpacking that. Can I just ask you a real personal question? Are you any different from six weeks ago? Have you really done anything differently in your walk? Are you still sitting in the same place, doing the same job, taking notes and amening and hallelujah Yet you haven't taken one faith step at all? Listen to me. It is time if we are to reach our community for Jesus Christ. He needs us. And we've been talking about an expansion to reach the 150,000. And it will require great faith from you and from me and from us to reach one more for Jesus. And what is that plan? Well, six weeks, we unpacked it. And I want to remind you of that plan again. What you're about to see is a building, but the building isn't a building. It's to reach people far from God. And we got to step out in faith and supply the necessary funds and believe that God can do it, even though we can't figure it out on our own. Take a look at this. Pretty exciting, huh? To see what God is uh, God's going to be doing and what we believe he wants to do. We've taken the last several years as a leadership team to be praying and researching and, and seeking God for, for what our next steps should be as we just feel like we're, we're kind of stuck and we're plateaued, but we got to break out of this. We got to reach this 150,000 that's still in our community that yet to, to know the Lord. And so we've been talking about this now. We've been having info huddles that are happening several times a week. Um, if you haven't signed up for one yet, get on our website today because March 26th is the day that we are all coming ready to pledge and be a part of this campaign that's only two weeks away from now. And so I really want you to get signed up. We only have a few of those huddles left. In fact, we have one today right after the service. You could walk upstairs to the training room and sit through an info huddle right now. But if you, if you can't do that, go to our website and uh, click, on the, click on the info huddles there and find one that fits for your schedule this week so you can get into those. Uh, our ushers are going to come forward right now and pass out these pledge cards, okay? I'm going to kind of explain to you how this is going to work, okay? So we have these uh, take one per family so that you can pray about it, talk about it as a family. But fill out the, we want you to come back on uh, March the 26th, two weeks from now, um, and uh, ready, to, ready to be a part of the campaign. And so you'll come with this filled out. You'll have prayed. You're praying. You're seeking God. And I would encourage you guys um, and, and families and, and singles to take time this week to begin to think about this number that God is asking you to pledge to be a part of the campaign. Um, and so we're asking over the next three years that, uh, that above your regular gift, to Grace Community Church, you'd be, you'd be willing to pledge this, this amount of money, whatever that is that uh, God's leading you to be, to be able to give. That's how it'll work over the next three years. And so on March the 26th, if you read the card, um, you can see line number one is, uh, this is how much I'm able to give on March 26th so that we can get started. And uh, that's what that, uh, that money will go towards right away to get us going. And then number two, it says, in addition, over the next three years, I pledge to give this amount. And so you're able to, to put that, uh, that number there as well. 
And, uh, and then number three is a total commitment. So add numbers one and number two, and that's how you get to, to line number three. So that, that helps us to be able to plan and know um, how, to, uh, how to proceed from, from there. And so we're asking that you'll come ready to, to have this card filled out and ready to pledge on March the 26th. On the 26th, in two weeks, we'll give you these envelopes, okay? We'll have these here at church for you. And so you'll be able to stick this card inside of it. You'll be able to stick your, your, your check or your cash. You'll be able to stick your regular giving envelope. Just put it all inside of it. So this is what you'll give on that morning. And uh, it'll uh, allow the process to be really quick for us to add up these envelopes um, so that we can uh, tally, tally the number because we will celebrate that on Sunday. I'll tell you more about that in a second. So we'll give out these envelopes on Sunday the 26th. We want you to come ready ready to, to already have your pledge card ready to go. And over the next three years, as you give, as you're filling that pledge, in our offering envelopes, maybe you've never noticed before, but there is a line that says building. That's what that's for. So the next three years, you're able to give your regular tithes, your regular offerings, and then on top of that, you're able to put what you're putting towards your building campaign, your building pledge. That's how that works. If you don't currently have offerings envelopes, I'd encourage you to contact our office and get those so that you you can give that way. We're able to track that for you then and uh, keep you up to date on, on, on what you've been giving. Um, I would encourage you guys to get your older kids involved in this. Uh, my older kids all kind of sat through one of the info huddles presentations. They were pumped. They were asking more questions than anybody else in the room. They were excited about reaching their friends. And, uh, and so they're able to also, I asked them, challenged them to, to all of them to pledge as well. Over the next three years, guys, what are you willing to sacrifice to give up to be able to give towards this so that we can reach your classmates as a church, so we can reach your friends? And so I'd encourage you to do something similar. And so take time this week to talk with your spouse. You're praying, your spouse is praying, or you're praying as a single person, you're praying with your kids, and then take time to come back together and say, okay, what are you thinking? Here's, here's what I'm thinking. And like Jim challenged this morning, if we can figure it all out, well, I know that we can give this much, and that's our number, then we're not having any faith. We're not, we're not giving God a chance to show off. And so we, we get to hear Jim's stories the last couple of weeks of how God's provided for them. Last week, we interviewed Dick and Sherry Gingrich. You got to hear some of their stories of how God has provided for them over the years. This is a chance for, for God to write a story with you, for you to be a part of a story, for you to tell your story later and say, let me tell you how God came through for us. As we, we pledged for the campaign. We weren't totally sure how it was going to happen. And then three years from now, you're going to have a story about how God came through and allowed you to be a part of this campaign in a tremendous way. And so don't, don't miss that opportunity. So sign up for one of those info huddles. Um, or go upstairs. We have one happening that'll start here just in a minute once, uh, once we're done with this service. Um, we also have a website, getinthegame.church. Getinthegame.church. You can go there and, uh, and get a packet of information as well and watch some videos. You won't get a chance to ask the questions that you get to in the info huddle. That's where we want you to go to one of those so you can ask questions. All of our small groups are going to be are going to be getting the information tonight and uh, today, this afternoon, as all of our small groups, uh, the, the ones that are meeting today, that's all happening. If you're not able to be here on the 26th, you can turn in your pledge card before that, you know, early in that week or whatever you say, I'm going to be out of town that weekend. Just uh, You can turn that in ahead of time. And then plan to come back after the third service on the 26th. 26th. We'll, so we'll have a tally that we'll, that we'll have after the first service. We'll have a tally after the second service. We'll, tally, we'll keep that to ourselves. We'll keep that a secret until after the third service when we have all the tallies for all the services. And we'll come back after the third service and we'll celebrate what we believe God wants to do. So get to one of those info huddles to get all the information. Pray fast. 
Seek God about what he wants to give. Don't make it a number that you can explain. Make it a number that you believe God wants you to give. And let's reach this next generation and let's reach our Elkhart County for Jesus. We are not done. The best days of Grace Community Church are ahead of us. I believe that with all my heart. All right, would you pray with me as we, get, as we end today? Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be a part of reaching the community. God, you, 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 you don't really need us. You can do it, but you, you have decided that, uh, that you're going to use us. And, and that you, you decide, you've decided that the local church is going to be the way that you reach the world. And, and, and so, Lord, if, if we don't reach out, Romans says, if we don't tell somebody the gospel, who will? They won't hear. And so, God, as, as we have prayed um, um, just week after week and year after year, we come to you again and say, Lord, if there are people in our community that are seeking you, send them our way. Lord, we will, we will love them and accept them. And God, we will tell them the truth about their desperate need for you. And God, we will share the gospel with them because it is the power of life unto salvation. And God, I pray that this would be a crossroads, Lord, that we would, that we would do, uh, 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 see you do amazing things, God, through Grace Community Church over the next three and five and 10 and 15 years. God, that we would have stories years from now as we look back and we stepped out in faith in what you did. God, I pray that, uh, that, that March 26th will be a great celebration of, of uh, your faithfulness, Lord, to us. So, Lord, we, we uh, look forward to it. We love you so much. Thank you for choosing to use us. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, guys. We love you, and we will see you next Sunday.